bit, uh, bit raw. I obviously wasn't willing them on quite enough. Well, our theme today is forgiveness and forgiving, forgiving others. And it just struck me, I thought, well, it's not really a theme, is it? You know, a theme is a kind of an idea or a subject. Forgiveness is probably the most important central truth of the Christian faith. So much more than a theme. If it wasn't for forgiveness, I wouldn't be standing here this morning talking to you. And if it wasn't uh, for forgiveness, you wouldn't be sitting there listening to me. It's a really central idea, more than an idea, in our faith. It's so much more than a word. It is dynamic. It is something that is a, a conscious action on the part of the person doing the forgiving. It's something that we do from our heart. It's something that we do from our mind. It's something that we do from our will. It's something that we do from our very soul. And forgiveness has tremendous rewards as well because it's about liberation about restoration, about reconciliation. And it is healing, because forgiveness is closely linked to healing, and it is fulfillment. And there was just a touch in the reading that James brought us that it's a kind of spiritual warfare, forgiveness as well. The enemy does not like forgiveness. Forgiveness, then, is the very reason that Jesus came down to this earth so that we, you and I, might be brought back into a relationship with the Father. It's a relationship that we marred through sin. You can trace that from Genesis and Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It's a relationship that was marred through our sin, and it's a relationship which God has, of course, restored through Jesus. And forgiveness is modeled by our Lord Jesus. He himself modeled it in a way that is quite breathtaking. Think of these things. So when Jesus endures the cross for our sake, He's not bitter about that. When, as an innocent man, he is falsely accused, when he is beaten, when he is whipped, he's not burning with revenge and hatred, but he is forgiving. And if you've got Luke 23, verse 34 handy, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. To be able to summon up forgiveness in a situation like that is incredibly challenging, isn't it? When you're on a cross, being killed, and you're innocent. 
So, if forgiveness is the mark of our Saviour, should it not also be our mark as well as we seek to follow him? And of course, it's not a one-off event, is it, forgiveness? Uh, This morning, I was sitting at breakfast, and I just thought, I should... I should have been at a men's breakfast yesterday at Werfield, and I told the organizer that I was going to be there, and I totally forgot. I completely forgot. So I, had, I texted um, Peter Stokes and said, sorry, I forgot. And I thought it's quite topical, isn't it? Here I am speaking on forgiveness <laughs> this morning. Completely, completely forgot. It's not a one-off event. Both receiving and sharing and showing forgiveness should be part of our daily Christian walk. Think of the Lord's Prayer, or the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Has right in the heart of it, doesn't it? Forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, trespasses, if you like the older version, as we forgive those who sin, trespass, against us. Right at the heart of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples and notice in that prayer it's not forgive us but don't forgive them it's forgive us as as we forgive others so if we're going to receive forgiveness we've got to be able to give it out as well it's not just for you you've got to receive it but you've got to give it out as well. Apparently John Wesley, when he was speaking about this, was approached by a man who said at the end of uh, John Wesley's talk, I never forgive. And Wesley replied, well, let's hope you never sin. It's part of the same thing. If we receive forgiveness, we have to, to give forgiveness. Okay, so if forgiveness is such a no-brainer, Why do we, A, find it so hard to receive? Because some of us do. And why do we find it so hard to to give? So let's think about some of those uh, groups or people that we find it hard to to forgive. Now, I know the theme is forgiving others today, um, but when I'm given something like that, I've I've got to go with what I, I think God's saying. And I... There are three groups that I want to talk about that we find it hard to forgive, okay? Three groups. Group one, ourselves. And I'm going to talk about that first. Group two, others, which is the main theme for this morning. And group three, I'm going to hold back on telling you what group three is, as as a device to keep you listening. It seems to, be, seems to be working. One or two people have woken up. That's good. So, group one, ourselves. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only person here this morning who's occasionally been hard on themselves. Has anybody been occasionally hard on themselves for something that they, thank you, one brother at least. Um, two, uh, two, sister and a brother now. Um, two sisters, one brother. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sometimes we do things, and we, we can be hard on ourselves. Now, 
I felt bad this morning about the men's breakfast when I suddenly realized I was 24 hours late. Um, I felt bad about that, but I'm getting over it, okay? I'm getting over it, and I eventually get round to forgiving myself. Isn't that good? But sometimes, and sorry, yeah, the reason why I, I forgive myself is gen generally is because I have to live with myself. And if you have to live with yourself, you've got to, and you, you've got to try and feel comfortable in your own skin, haven't you? So you, you generally get around to, to forgiving yourself. But sometimes we use different criteria, don't we, for ourselves when we're forgiving ourselves than Jesus does. Jesus' criteria for forgiveness is different to our criteria for forgiveness. His forgiveness is just perfect. Ours is always a little bit biased, or there's an agenda. It's not pure. It doesn't come always from pure motives. But Jesus' forgiveness is always unbiased, objective, Pure. That's good. That's very good. Sometimes there are certain areas of our lives that we find it hard to receive forgiveness for. And we kind of compartmentalize areas of our lives. So, for example, we say, God, you can forgive my ABC sins. But God, I'm not going to let you forgive my X, Y, and Z sins. The ABC ones, yeah, I'll let you deal with those. But not my X, Y, and Z ones. Now often, areas of sin are tied up with painful experiences. And those painful experiences become part of who we are. And we can feel quite vulnerable if those areas are challenged because we've grown kind of so used to them. And some of us actually fear being set free because of what it will mean in terms of change. Because we've learned to live with that sin. We've learned to exist with it. We've learned to kind of embrace it. And we might feel quite vulnerable if we have to let that go. We fear being set free sometimes because we're going to be left vulnerable. And we don't want to accept the changes that forgiveness inevitably brings. And if, if that rings true with you, there is an answer. Jesus, Jesus is always the answer. But if there are areas that you find difficult to receive forgiveness for, then ask God for forgiveness. Talk to somebody that you trust. Pray with them. Seek wise counsel. Um, seek healing. Jesus' work on the cross is a total work. It's a total work, a complete work of forgiveness and restoration. And when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he wasn't saying, I'm finished. He was saying, the work that I've come to do on behalf of the Father, I have completed. Namely, 
to take on the sin of the world and to enable you and me to enter fully and freely into the life-breathing forgiveness that he's won for us. A total and complete victory on the cross. Do we receive that total victory in our daily lives? So I urge you this morning, when we think about forgiving, receiving forgiveness for ourselves, I urge you, don't leave this building with an ABC God. A God who de deals with your ABC sins. Yeah, he's quite loving. Yeah, he's quite forgiving. Yeah, he's quite powerful. How about leaving this building this morning with an X, Y, and Z God? One who can heal and deliver you from the worst things that you've done. So that you can be really whole. So that you can really embrace God fully in your, in your walk with him. God forgives the alphabet sins. A, B, C, right through to X, Y, and Z. When we can grasp that, when we can grasp that God can forgive our sins, all of them, then, then we should be able to express that forgiveness towards others. Okay? And that neatly takes us on to the second group. The second group that we find it hard to forgive. Other people. It's a tricky one, isn't it? People will let you down. I was going to say look around you then, but that's probably not, the, <laughs> probably not the right thing to say. But people will let you down. Remember Graham talking about trouble, you'll have trouble. Well, I'm going to say people will let you down. Okay? That's my tagline this morning. People will let you down. It's a great certainty in life, like death and taxes and, as I say, trouble. It's going to happen, and you can't avoid it. But, of course, there are various levels, aren't there, of being uh, let down. Some events are easier to forgive than others, and some have uh, greater consequences than others. Some leave a more lasting impression. And here, here's the scriptural bit again. In the passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, we learn about the brother who's caused a serious offense in the church in Corinth. And this, this brother is under church discipline. It doesn't actually say exactly what that involved, but he, he's probably kind of excommunicated to, to a degree. Okay, sort of defellowshipped, if you like. And he's under church discipline, but he's shown a lot of genuine um, sorrow, and he's shown a lot of uh, repentance. And Paul now is writing to the church in Corinth, saying, I think this guy has done enough. He's, he's shown he's sorry, he's genuine about that, and I think he, need, he needs to be reinstated. It's a tough one, isn't it, for church leaders to, to do, where somebody's gone through that experience. And it takes a lot of wisdom and discernment to judge the moment when a brother or sister should be welcomed back into the fold. 
It takes a lot of wisdom and discernment to know what, um, to judge, are they really, uh, really sorry for what they've done? It needs the wisdom of the Spirit to arrive at that, at that point. And in this particular instance in Corinth, Paul is suggesting that church discipline, of course, has its place and is necessary, but should not become so inflexible that it doesn't allow for pardon and restoration. Uh, when I was going through the Bible study notes for this talk, um, one of my study notes suggested that if the, if the church at Corinth was too lenient over the sin, then that's a bad thing. You can't be too lenient, but also you can't be too strict. If you're too lenient, it's a bad thing. If you're too strict, it's a bad thing, and the consequences for both are bad. So the church has to just get it right. And Paul recognizes that forgiving this brother will ultimately be healthier for the church and will not allow the devil a foothold. Verse 10 and 11, if I just read those again, uh, James read from a slightly different translation. This is the New International Version. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have, what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So forgiveness, and I hadn't really thought about this before, is an incredible tool of kind of spiritual warfare. Because it flies directly in the face of the world and what the world tells us we should do in these situations. The world tells us to take revenge. The world tells us, yeah, you were, you were wronged there, so you can harbor that resentment. That's yours. Harbor resentment. The world tells us to judge others. But Jesus says in Matthew 5.39, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, there's a story, uh, you might have heard of this one, I don't know whether you have, but there's a story of a Christian on a bus. And he's being teased by a non-Christian on the bus. And he's being teased about his faith. And the non-Christian says to the Christian, is it true that if I slap you on the right cheek, you've got to show me your left cheek as well, and I can slap you on that? And the Christian rather reluctantly agrees that, yes, that is true. It is scriptural. So the non-Christian slaps the Christian across his right cheek, and the Christian turns his left cheek, and the non-Christian strikes the Christian across his left cheek. And then the Christian punches the non-Christian <laughs> hard on the nose. Oh, what did you do that for? Asked the non-Christian in a state of shock. The Christian replied, well, it's true. If you strike me on the right cheek, you can strike me on the left. But the Bible doesn't say what's going to happen after that. I don't want you to go out of here today <laughs> thinking that that's a good thing to be doing. 
So I might be in danger of coming under church discipline myself with, with such biblical interpretations. The point is, forgiving others is, is vital. It's vital. Whether or not it's an offense against the church or against one person against another. And it's healthy. It's healthy to forgive. It's good for the person being restored they're brought back into relationship as they were in this church in Corinth as he was brought back in it's good for them and it's good for the person or persons in the, in the case of Corinth it's the church it's good for the church doing the forgiving it's a win-win situation and in fact yet the whole episode in, in Corinthians is, is as much about restoring a church to health as it is about restoring one individual. Okay, I'll say that again. That whole reading in uh, Corinthians is as much about restoring a church to health as it is about restoring one individual. There was another reading that I could have looked at today with you, and it was Psalm 38, and it was given to me with the, the reading from Corinthians. And just briefly, in Psalm 38, uh, it's quite a miserable psalm, David is suffering from guilt and the weight of sin. His body is unhealthy. His friends have deserted him. His enemies are trying to take advantage of his weakened uh, situation. But he's looking for restoration, and he's looking for forgiveness. And in verse 21 and 22 of Psalm 38, he says, O oh Lord, do not forsake me. Be not far from me. Oh my God, come quickly to help me, O oh Lord my Saviour. Forgiveness brings restoration and it brings healing. Another story, this is a, this is a true story, I'm not sure about the bus one, but, but this is a true story. When I was living in Sheffield, um, I was worshipping at a church called St. Thomas's Church, which was interestingly a, an Anglican Baptist church. And we had a church conference on, on a particular day, and I went to the conference. And at lunchtime, I went out to the pub, and the pub just across from the church called the Noah's Ark. Interesting, it's called the Noah's, it's still there. And I got chatting with um, a lady in, in the pub, an elderly lady, and she was having lunch by herself, as I was. And she asked me what I'd been doing. So I told her about the church day and the training day. And she started to really open up and, and talk to me. And she said that she prayed. I said, oh, that's, that's good. Uh, what have you been praying for? And she said, I've been praying for some time for God to take me. I've been praying for some time for God to take me because I want to die. Oh. Right. And I, just, I suggested, well, Maybe God hasn't finished with you yet. Maybe God's got a plan for you. Maybe God's got uh, stuff that he wants to work through with you. I was quite bold in those days. And then she told me that there was some, something her son had done that she couldn't forgive him for. She didn't tell me what it was, but there was something her son had done, and it was just a massive blockage for her. And I just said, well, why don't you sort that out? And I was, I was, again, I was quite bold. I said, well, may, maybe God's not answering your first prayer 
because you haven't sorted out this issue with your son. It's a blockage. Forgiveness, unforgiveness, it's a blockage, isn't it? It would be blocking her relationship with God, her ability to receive forgiveness from God, and her ability to release forgiveness to her son, and her son would be living under this unforgiveness as well, so he's trapped. I don't know what that lady did. I don't know. All I know is that forgiveness is the answer. It is releasing, it is healing, it brings us to that point of wholeness. So, we've looked at forgiving ourselves, which is crucial. We've looked at forgiving others, which is essential. The final person we might need to forgive, this is the one I was holding back, so it might be quite surprising, is God. Why, why might we need to forgive God? God hasn't done anything wrong. God isn't doing anything wrong, and God won't do anything wrong. Okay? God hasn't done anything wrong in your life. God isn't doing anything wrong in your life now. God won't be doing anything wrong in your life in the future. But am I alone here in having, have you never questioned God about how he's dealing with the situation? How many of us think that God should be doing something a little bit differently? How many of us at times think that God should be doing something a little bit faster Come on, God, hurry up. How many of us think that God should be doing something a little bit slower? Oh, hang on a minute, I'm not ready for that yet. How many of us build up resentment? Because we specifically prayed for something and the opposite has happened. That person I was praying for healing has not been healed. That job that you led me into, that wasn't the right job. That relationship that I thought was going to be good wasn't the right one. It didn't work out. That situation that I prayed about that others prayed about, that I had a word about, did not improve. The door, the door that I prayed would be open was shut. And the door that I prayed would be shut was opened. But it's not about our ways, is it? It's about his ways. And it's not about our wants, is it? But it's about his wants. And it's not about our plans, is it? It's about his plans. And amazingly, 
if when we walk the Christian life and we keep in step with the Spirit, what happens? There's a kind of merging. His wants increasingly become our wants. His ways increasingly become our ways. His plans increasingly become our plans as we walk with God. A remarkable overlap can take place. So, if sometimes we wrestle with God, and we do, don't we? We wrestle with God. I just want to encourage you that God can take it. God can cope with you crying out to him. The psalmists did it. The Psalm 38, if you read that in your own time, you'll see David crying out. The prophets cried out. Jesus himself cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God can take your cries this morning. He can take my cries. God can take your ranting. Now, looking around me, I don't see that many people who probably fit into that category. No ranters here. But God can take your cries from your heart. He can take your deepest heartfelt thoughts. God can take those occasions when you blame him. He's big enough. He's not phased by these things. But remember, when you disagree with God, and when you battle with him, you're not going to win. <laughs> it's quite fun battling, but you're not going to win. Because he is your heavenly father. And he loves you. Each one of you. At this very moment, you might be going through uh, situations which, in which God seems distant. I remember an old poster down at Cartway Methodist. If God seems distant, guess who's moved. You might have seen that before. If God seems distant, guess who's moved. God is not far away. And he desires that we are a relationship people. It's part of our kind of tagline at the BBC, isn't it? Real, relevant, relational. He, he desires for us to be a relationship people. And he wants us to be very free and open in our communication with him. I was thinking, if God was into insurance, it would be direct line. Direct line. Okay. You don't need the red phone. The shaky little red phone. Direct line. Be honest in your walk with God. Talk to him. He likes to hear from you. And don't hold anything back. He can hear all the cries of your heart. You can't shock him. Let his forgiveness flow in your heart by his spirit for yourselves and for others.
Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you modeled forgiveness for us, Lord Jesus. And that forgiveness is such a fantastic um, truth. And I just pray that anything I've said this morning, that's, that if there's anything that you've touched in people's hearts this morning that, that you want to deal with, that you would, uh, you would do that, Lord. That you'd help us individually to be more, to receive forgiveness, and you'd help us to actually give out forgiveness as well, as you have freely forgiven us. So help us to freely forgive. In Jesus' name, we pray this, and for his glory, and for the extension of his kingdom in this place. Amen.